0: You guys have your Bibles. Oh, is this on? Of course, my uh, oh, there we go. If you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter four. We're going to land there for just a quick second. Um, as you turn there, hey, my name is Brian. Um, good to have you here. I'm, gl- I'm glad to be up here. Um, and just so a little background, so you uh, um, get to know me a little bit. A, a little while ago, when I was 17, I'm now 48. I know it's shocking. Shocking, right? Oh, that's nice. When I say my age at my church, they all just laugh at me. But hey, uh, when I was 17, I made my own decision for Jesus at Hume. Um, and so it's always humbling to kind of get to come back and partner with them. The one thing that stood out to me during the worship time that's all about me. That last song, You Are Worthy of It All. And I guess I would ask the question do you, one, do you believe it? And then, two, why? I mean, I love that song. And anytime somebody starts to sing, I'm like, oh, this is it. But do we really get that we're actually doing the exact same thing that angelic beings have been doing since God created them, however many however long ago? So picture a hundred million angels surrounding the throne of God right now worshiping and singing to Jesus. And at no point in all of their existence have they ever been bored. They've never sat there and thought, man, are we going to sing that part again? We're going to sing that part again, guys. Let's be honest. You ever been in a a worship service where they kept repeating the chorus or a line or a word? You're kind of going, man, this this is death. This is killing me. It's almost like there's more to the song than that or there's more songs than this. Old school people, remember that song, I could sing of your love forever? And they would just keep going. I could sing of your love forever. And then the next line, I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever, and I'm like, good night, we are not creative. I guess I ask again, is he really worthy? And if he is, why? This is for everyone in the room. For those of you that you have a relationship with Jesus, and by that I say that you've surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord. You haven't just accepted him as your Savior, but you've surrendered to him as the Lord of your life. And when he calls us as followers of Jesus, he says, anyone who wants to come after me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow. Guys, that's a, big, that's a big order. When we start thinking of what that really means, think about what they thought when they heard this. When Jesus says, you must deny yourself. It's not just self-denial. It's, just not, it's not just keep bad things away. It's actually anything that's good. So I, I'm, married, I'm married. Her name's Kelly, and I got two boys, and ministry and friends and all these things i could bear hug them and try to protect them from all the bad out there so this is the good stuff guys i don't do this with anything i do this with everything god this this is yours they're yours and then pick up your cross how many guys have a, 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 a charm of like a cross you have a cross charm you wear one or have one yeah guys how many have an electric chair charm anybody an electric chair nobody nobody has that one And, oh, well, God, we need to talk about that later. Okay, it's kind of weird. Okay, but we don't have that. And yet in the first century, they wouldn't look at the cross and go, that's the sign of the love of God. All that they would think is that's that's the worst form of execution ever. So to hear Jesus say, I want you to deny yourself, and I want you to pick up your death, and I want you to follow me, you have to answer the question, is he worth it? See, even in Ephesians chapter 4, in just one verse, and then we're going to fly all over the place. It says, uh, verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. do. And he's speaking, when he says Gentiles, he's saying those of those people that don't know the Lord. In the futility of their mind. That's all we're going to look at. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must, and then he gives this instruction. Guys, if we're going to do anything that God says to do, we actually have to have a proper picture of him. But do we? I think we've done a huge disservice, friends. We've kind of made Jesus like the tame lion. He's like the house cat that's been declawed. Anybody have a house cat? Anybody have a cat that's been declawed? You take the claws out? Guys, I've got to be honest. I'm not, really a, I'm not really afraid of cats if they don't have any claws. Because it's like you're getting hit by pillows. It's like, <laughs> like they've got nothing to it. And we think that that's how Jesus is. But guys, I just don't picture 100 million angels surrounding the throne of the Lamb of God, surrounding God and saying, you're okay, you're kind of impressive, but not that much. Is he worth it? Do we recognize his value? So let's pray. And we're going to jump into Mark chapter 10 and float around there for a little bit. Let's pray. Father, we pause before we speak to you for your God. And I think sometimes just for me, I need to stop and not just treat you like everyone else and everything else, but to have this holy reverence and awe and adoration of you. And so I pray the Holy Spirit, you would teach and convict and encourage whatever's necessary to make us look like Jesus. And God, for those who are here that have not surrendered to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict of sin and Father, you would draw them to to your heart that they would come to know Christ. God, I pray you would teach us and keep us teachable as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says, amen. Chapter 10, verse uh, uh, 46 of Mark, says this. And they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Here's one of the reasons I love Mark, is that he names them in this passage. So picture Bartimaeus, he's just sitting on the roadside begging. Guys, you ever walked by someone who's just asking for money? Ever stopped? You ever gotten their name? Because isn't there something in a name? You ever had somebody remember your name? I mean, there's a long time. If it's just like one day, that's nothing. But say six months down the road, they remember your name. You're like, wow, you really remember me but how often do we just kind of go by and we just kind of miss out on this? I remember one night I was, uh, I was going to the grocery store. I was doing the, the house shopping for us, the grocery shopping for us, and there was this homeless guy outside, and he asked for money. I said, I don't have any cash, but let me see what I got when I come back out. And when I came back out, um, I was kind of in a hurry because I bought ice cream. And in my head, it's like, I don't want it to melt. I hate soft ice cream. I want it to be hard. So th- there I am. It's like, <laughs> no joke. As I go by... I gave him a couple bucks, and I just kept going. And as I kept going, this thought was going to my mind: "It's like go back." I'm like, "I'm not going back. I got ice cream." And I kept; it wouldn't leave. It just kept coming. <laughs> "Go back," <laughs> And I'm like, "No, send somebody else. I got ice cream." As if the four-dollar ice cream was the most important thing in the universe in that moment. And so I make it back to the car. I put the, I put the groceries in the car. I shut the door. I get ready to get in the car, and it just won't stop. And it was almost like I—it was like a sacrifice. I'm like, "Fine, I'll go back." what a wuss I felt so convicted as I walked back I'm like it doesn't matter if it's a milkshake whatever and so I go back and I look at this guy and I said you know what I got more than a couple bucks but can I hear your story can you just tell me what's going on and his name was Rodney I think he was 27 at the time and he'd been on the streets for about three or four years he was addicted to opiates and he was trying to clean up his life and I said well where are you staying and he told me where and it was really close to this church that had a a ministry to the homeless to help get them out of that i said "Do you know that church and he said yeah i know that church i said get connected man and then i saw that he's reading this thing called the watchtower and it's this magazine that the jehovah's witnesses uh they they give out and i said what are you reading he goes ah it's just someone passed it on to me and i said can i just be honest i said that's wrong it's like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty honest, Brian. I said, yeah, but if you don't picture, if you don't accept Jesus as God, it's wrong. I said, can I just tell you about Jesus? And so I sat down with him. I started talking about the gospel, and he's asking questions. I'm like, wow, this is working. Like, he's actually interested. He didn't look and say, oh, shut up. I'm done with this Jesus stuff. He didn't say, he didn't look, he, and he didn't say this. Hey, do you see where I'm at? If there was a God, then why am I here? He just sat and listened. And maybe it was this, because finally somebody stopped, gave up his ice cream, whatever that was, gave up his ice cream to actually treat a person in front of me who is created in the very image of God and therefore has intrinsic value. Friends, your value is not based on what you accomplish, what you do. Your value is based on the fact that God knit you together in your mama's womb. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe. Uh, as I was getting toward the end of just kind of explaining the, sto- the story of the gospel and hearing his story, I just finally looked at it and said, hey, "Rod, you wanna, you wanna surrender your life to Jesus?" And he seriously thought through it, and he goes, "Yeah." And I'm like, am I on camera? Like this works. And I said, "Dude, I'm so excited. Let me pray with you." And I prayed with him, and I said, "Are you good for tonight?" He's like, "No, I'm set. I'm good." And this is then this is what he said. He said, "Can I give you a hug?" I said, "Heck yes!" And so I grabbed him on. If you know, I'm kind of a bigger guy, and so I yanked him up. He's like, "Whoa!" (laughs) And I just grabbed onto him like a bear hug. And the thing is, he grabbed back. And here I'm standing outside of a Ralph's, just chilling with Rodney, not the homeless guy. Rodney, not the homeless guy. Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus you ever notice how now this is a person and not just a problem to fix he goes on verse 47 when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth remember he's blind he began to cry out and say Jesus son of David have mercy on me and many rebuked him telling him to be silent Guys, when he says, Jesus, son of David, he's proclaiming that he believes Jesus to be the Messiah. He believes that he's the one that's supposed to come. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone around him is telling him to be quiet. Guys, you got a picture it like this. So picture Jesus. It was was customary in the day, he's a rabbi, he'd be walking with his disciples, there's this massive crowd, and it's possible that as he's walking, Jesus is teaching. And then everyone in the crowd is listening to what he's saying as he's walking along. So can you imagine as he's in the middle of his message, some dude in the back just starts waving and going, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you are sitting there going, I'm taking notes, what was number three? I didn't get the blank. You ever feel the pressure in a service? It's like I don't know what number three was. What was number three? And so here's this blind guy, who is in earshot of the Messiah, who has the reputation of healing blind people. And what do people do? They tell him to shut up. I miss number. I miss number three. Is this how you act in? I love his response. I love it. They rebuke him and tell him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Can you imagine? Kind of like, hey, shut up. I can't hear. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you missed number three. I've missed most of everything. Well, be quiet because we can't hear. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Hey! And he just keeps getting louder. And maybe he's facing the wrong way. He's like, hey! And he's just going for it because it's desperate. He's desperate. Why? Because he recognizes Jesus. Even though he's blind, he recognizes Jesus as someone who can fix it. And then you get to verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Imagine as Jesus is walking along, there's Bartimaeus, and I wonder if Jesus started to grin, or did he laugh under his breath, he's like, I love that guy, I love it, keep going, Bart, keep going, and then as maybe he heard the shut up part, he's like, "Uh, mm -mm. we'll talk about that later, and he just keeps screaming, and no one gets him, and he stops, guys, he stops the whole parade for one guy. I just, I just, I have this challenge for our people, the people that God's entrusted to me back at home. Every week, right before you leave, I say this. Guys, this is our prayer. God, who's the one this week? Who's the one? Because we're so busy trying to get the masses to some kind of event that we overlook the one that we live next door to. Guys, think about it. How often do you never know your neighbors on your way to go to, to a church service so you can sing to Jesus all the while to come back and never talk to a neighbor? All the while missing your mission field called your zip code. Isn't it amazing that Jesus is willing to stop the whole thing for one? And how often we think the one is the nuisance. So he says, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. <laughs> Imagine. Call him. Oh I'll got him. <laughs> and he goes back, hey, Bart, he's calling you. Get up, man. Uh, hey, didn't you just tell me to shut up? No, no, that wasn't me. That was my wife. She's just got a really deep voice. Trust me. I would never say that to you. She's evil. But I would never do that. And watch his response. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Why is that so important? He threw off his cloak. guys. I think this is why. Because the cloak, his cloak, was everything he owned. Friends, it would be what he slept under. It'd be what he collected his funds in. If the weather's bad, it's what he used to cover himself. He threw off everything. He takes it and chucks it and springs up, and he gets to come to Jesus. Now compare that. Go back about a page to verse 17 of chapter 10. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Do we actually believe that verse? Verse 18. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. He says, no one is good except God alone. And yet haven't you heard you're a good person? It's like, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I'm no Hitler. It's like, so long as I'm better than him. But here comes Jesus going, no one's good except God. Why are you calling me good? why are you calling me good? Only God is good. So he asked him the question, why are you calling me good? It's like I'm trying to get you to understand. I want to I know what you think about me. So why do you call me good? And then he goes in commandments, verse 19. You know the commandments: Do not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him you lack one thing what's the one thing though because look what he says afterwards go sell all that you have give to the poor you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me there's four things so what's the one thing that he lacks well let's go back he walks up the first time he says hey good teacher what must i do to to inherit eternal life guys in that day if you were healthy and wealthy then you were blessed by god this is what they believed they believed that you're healthy and wealthy you're blessed by god you must be sinless you're righteous But if you're not healthy and wealthy, then you're being cursed by God because there must be sin in your life. That's actually what they believed, and that is so far from the truth. So the man comes up, and everyone's looking at this guy going, of course he's going to make it. Look at him. He's wealthy and healthy. He's righteous. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what must I do? Good teacher, what must I do? Why do you call me good? Guys, when you look at him and he addresses Jesus the second time in verse 20, what does he leave off? He left off good, right? So if Jesus says, hey, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he goes through the commandments. Can you imagine this guy sitting there going, what do I think about this guy? What do I think about this guy? What do I think about this guy? I can't call him good because I don't believe that he is God. Is that the one thing that he lacks? Because if he, did, if, he, if he did believe that Jesus was God and Jesus gave this invitation, hey, I want you to go sell everything you have. I want you to give else, everything else to the poor. You're going to have treasure in heaven, but I want you to follow me. Give everything up to follow Jesus. Is he worth it? I love the fact that it still says that Jesus loved him. Even though he didn't believe him to be God, he loved him. And yet there's a different type of relationship for those of you who've surrendered to Jesus. You've been adopted into the family of God. You're righteous before him because of Jesus. It's a different relationship than those who haven't. But he loves. And what's the, what, what did the man do? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And in verse 23 it says, and Jesus stopped him and said, just kidding. No, it doesn't say that. We think that this is what Jesus will do. He's not going to expect any more than we can actually give to him. Guys, he expects everything because he deserves everything. If we understood his value and who he really is, when he says to do something, we do it even if I don't feel like it. I don't feel like what the scriptures teach, but because of who he is. He says, I want you to leave this life because it's not what I want for you. We do it because we believe him, we trust him, and we know who he is. Isn't it amazing that a guy who could see and had everything did not accept the invitation when Jesus called him to follow, but the blind guy who had nothing did because the blind guy recognized Jesus. Go back to Bart. And Jesus said, to him, what do you want me to do for you? Don't you think that's kind of a dumb question? Like, isn't it kind of obvious? He's like, sin, he can't, he can't see. He's like, what do you want me to do for you? Can oh, I get a sandwich? He's <laughs> like, what do you think he's going to say? I just love the fact that Jesus would ask. If Jesus came in, in all of his glory, there's no, re- there's no way that I would ever keep preaching. And all of us would faint as though dead, like John did in Revelation. And then when we woke up, what if he looked at you and says, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say if he said what can i do for you what do you want me to do for you what would you tell him because i love the fact that he had the he had the audacity to actually ask jesus for the miraculous he's like i want to see guys the only way that you would ask jesus for the miraculous is that if, if if you actually believe that he is who he says that he is but are we really saying he's worthy of it all? Do we really get who he is? Guys, do you realize that right now we're spinning on a planet? We're going 1,000 miles an hour. Do you feel it? You're like, yeah, a little bit. Mm, sorry about that. I got medication for you. <laughs> That's not right. While well, we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, we're going on the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. All this is happening while we're just sitting here. And while that's happening, the sun and the nine planets, yeah, I include Pluto, the nine planets, we're going around the nucleus of the Milky Way galaxy at 540,000 miles an hour. Right now, all that's happening, and we're just here. Can I ask you a question? What makes you think you're in control of anything? Aren't you just hoping we don't crash? We're just on this ride. Guys, just that part makes me go, okay, God, you hold all things together. Jesus, you hold everything together so we don't just fly off into this universe? As you realize, the Bible says that out of the breath of God came all the starry hosts. That means when God exhaled, the sun popped out. That's impressive. Don't you think that's impressive? Like We, we exhale, and people back up. Cuz stank just came out. But God's like, oh, that's the sun. Well, there's canis majoris you're like what's, no it's a real star guys that thing is okay canis majoris is the big dog star that's exactly what it means canis majoris literally means big dog you can fit seven quadrillion earths inside the one star called canis majoris you can fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun and the closest that we can get to the exhale of god the sun is 93 million miles And yet I wonder how many of you will tell God how to be God, yet you can't even keep your room clean. And then the earth, I I have no clue how they weighed this. I have no clue. The earth is 13 septillion 176 trillion pounds. I know. It's the the national debt. Let me tell you, this is what... and we just keep spending okay so here we go here's how the money goes okay it goes millions billions trillions quadrillions quintillion quintillions, sextillions, septillions. i know 13 septillion 170 sextillion pounds is spinning at a thousand miles an hour going around the sun at 66 thousand miles an hour all the while traveling around the nucleus of the Milky Way, a galaxy saves 540,000 miles an hour. And when's the last time he told that God who put all that into motion what he should do? Rather than bowing down and declaring what angels have said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You have the universe and stars and the sun, which is a star, and this earth that's really heavy. What? <laughs> and then on the earth, what he's created. Some of these facts, I use them all the time. Do you realize that there's 228 distinct muscles in the head of a caterpillar? That is the worst job ever, <laughs> to count that. Unless you're just jacks, like today's the day. What's today? Today's the day I figure out how many mu- <laughs> muscles are in the head of a caterpillar. Ooh. Can you imagine? He gets to like 221. He's like super close. Oh Guys, I'm almost there. Bam! I'm a little crud. One, two. Like, who sat there looking at the caterpillar going, I wonder how many... <laughs> Wow, what was that? (laughs) Be freed. (laughs) It's like, I wonder how many distinct muscles are in the head of that caterpillar. Guys, do you realize that there are uh, dozens of different types of tomatoes? Dozens. I thought there was two. Organic and non-organic. Like, that's all I know. There are hundreds of different types of bananas. I know. I always thought there were two. Organic or not organic? I was like, what is this? Zebras. Guys, think about it. Shh. Guys, I never knew this. I was reading this a while back. Before this, I didn't know it. After baby zebra is born, mama zebra takes zebra, baby zebra aside from the rest of the herd. And I, again, I don't, know how the, I don't know how the experts know this, but the purpose is to teach the baby zebra to memorize the stripes of its mama which kind of makes sense. I know, isn't it cute? But can you imagine you just pop out, your baby zebra, boom, tons of little zebras standing around, and you just kind of look going, mom, mom, and she's in the corner going, and then God made a hippo. Yeah, we think they're cute. Guys, do you realize that more people are are mauled to death by hippos every year than lions? You know why? This is my conviction, because we made a game called Hungry, Hungry Hippos. This is fun for old people. It's like, get some marbles. We're going to get hippo heads. We're just going to beat the snot out of them. Isn't this the best game ever? Yes. Guys, your body, 75 trillion cells in your body, every three seconds, 50,000 of them die off and are replaced by 50,000 new ones. Every three seconds. Every three seconds. Every one of those 75 trillion cells has DNA that's about six feet long. So if I took all the DNA out of my body and tied it end to end, that's enough DNA to go from here to the moon and back 178,000 times. And so when the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, Guys, when you look in the mirror, you are the miraculous work of a creative God. And yet, we look and say, God, what you got? That's it? And when you go beyond that, guys, he created humor. He created wisdom. He created music, the concept of enjoyment, joy, happiness. Guys, we didn't come up with these things. Guys, he created laughter. He gave you taste buds. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, "Eat." I don't care what it tastes like. Shut up. But he gave us taste buds. And isn't it just fun to laugh? Some people have an incredible laugh. Some people have whatever that noise is going on right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding alright let's land the plane hold on just a sec shh, shh, shh. so imagine a blind guy who recognizes Jesus while he's blind and asks him for the miraculous because he really recognizes who Jesus really is followers of Jesus I think we need to ask for, we need to ask God for things because we've been invited to do so according to the will of God we need to ask for big things because we believe in him and trust him with the result. Friends, it's been really fun the last couple weeks to pray for people in our church. I've Had a couple people come in with elders and me and we'll pray and we'll anoint them and pray over them. And one woman was told that she had a, a, a tumor in her spinal cord. And then we prayed and she went to an appointment and f- 26 doctors said, it's not a, we don't think that it's a tumor, we think that it's a virus. You sit there and said, I go, they just misdiagnosed it, or Jesus stepped in. We had a woman who felt like she's gonna. She, she, she was having the symptoms of MS and hadn't been at work for four, for four months. We prayed for an anointed her, and we saw something. And guys, it blows my mind. And yet I also remember praying for my mother-in-law for a long time who just passed away a week and a half ago. After a 10-year fight with multiple myeloma, and it's ugly, And I could sit there and go, but God, this isn't fair. You did this here, but you didn't do it here. And God, think about it. In all of his wisdom, in all of his glory, in all of his goodness, and praise God, my mother-in-law knew and loved Jesus. Because the Bible says, precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of His saints." Because her last breath here, she then took in the glory of God. For to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Guys, we could sit there and say, God, if you're so good, then why? Guys, we got to be careful. Because we need to then remember, God, with because I'm so bad, then why would you come for me? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Can I see? And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Isn't it amazing that the rich young guy was invited and he ran off his own direction? And yet Jesus gave this guy the freedom. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And it says he recovered his sight, and where did he go? His way was what? Wherever Jesus was going. That was his way. Because he recognized Jesus before Jesus did anything, and then when Jesus showed him, He's like, how could I go anywhere else but where you want me to go? Followers of Jesus, this is the God that we say, you are worthy of it all. Those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the Jesus that you'll answer to one day. Like, what is holding you back? Brian, if you knew my life and how hard it's been, let's let's chat about it. I'd love to hear you. Let's go eye to eye here eye to eye, knee to knee, and I'll listen. But friends, as long as we keep saying, who's got the worst life? We never focus on the Jesus who actually gives us one. Guys, he is worthy of it all. He is holy and terrifying and glorious and wonderful and gracious and forgiving. He has wrath. He's just. He's perfect. And he loves us. Friends, that's the God that we worship. That's the God, and I, don't, I, can't, I don't even do, do ju- I don't do, I don't do justice in trying to describe Him. But friends, He is not just our homeboy, and He's not just Jesus. He's Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and end. He is Lord God, King of the universe, Sovereign God, over all. Let's pray. I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to declare your word I'm not worthy to know you but I am so grateful that you thought me worth it God for those all of us in the room we're not worthy but you're worth it Jesus you came for us you took our cross The rest of this weekend, I pray, Holy Spirit, you remind us what does heaven look like, that a hundred million angels are surrounding your throne, giving you praise, and then we sing to you, we are engaging in that exact same thing, because you are worthy of it all. And so, God, I thank you, I thank you for a time to be up here. I thank you that we get to worship through singing, I thank you that we get to worship through play that we get to laugh, that you created laughter. But I thank you that you're going to do a great, great work. And so, God, with all that happens, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says amen. Love you all more than you know.